Hi Sachin. Hey Dinkar. How are you? I'm doing fine. Long times. Yeah, I mean we took a couple of weeks of uh, break from last week I guess, but um, uh, there is no point in pushing content when we are not ready about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the advantage of not being a professional content generator. You're not Yeah, and that and also we we don't care about how many subscribers are not that there are million but uh, <laughs> i, I heard there are thousands <laughs> yeah i heard there are a uh, lot of uh, psychological pressures people go through when they become influencer and uh, they experience these fluctuations into viewership or mm-hmm. certain videos performed better versus worse it is extremely taxing on their minds and it's not a very happy place to be uh, so i am glad that we are not currently there yeah i think uh, the uh, i think we have regular 20 or 30 people and uh, we are happy with them because uh, we get to interact with them and they share their thoughts with us so i think uh, that's uh, that's also good because our topic is not about gossip it's it's more about niche topic so the audience itself is uh, Uh, needs to be resonating with that problem so i am glad that we have 20 but 20 people who are super interested rather than a million who don't care what's happening so uh, I, that's uh, i i thought uh, the bio in uh, ebo is bollywood and we are here for bollywood gossip yeah engineering effectiveness uh, in, sorry engineering excellence and uh, bollywood effectiveness in bollywood movies <laughs> I Even think that's, that's a very really small topic, right? I I don't know how many Bollywood movies had engineering or science as a theme, so there's not much review we can also do there. But I recently heard that um, not only in uh, uh, like abroad but uh, globally, cinema is now extremely engineering driven. Uh, it is very, uh, I would say. the art form is converging very much with the science for example netflix if you see netflix now the shows the themes the content all of that sounds very algorithmic to you mm. uh, so if moneyball by brad pitt was a very good movie and uh, it had certain theme they have found out in the history which movies of which genre with which theme uh so this was actually done with a, a lead woman character protagonist was a male protagonist was a older man uh and they have Find replicated all the all, they have replicated all those uh, movies within them so, so analytics plays a very important role and uh, that's why i think these author skills were also extremely upset right because uh, everything is data driven uh, they are trying to figure out movies which work it's they are trying to remove the art and inject science into movies making so um they are saying i want basically a recipe for success and let me create content which is targeting to that particular segment of the audience i think uh, even without sophisticated tools in some way bollywood has figured it out uh, there is a hero there is a heroine there is someone crying a lot in the second half and in the end everything is okay so that that's a winning formula so Inkar, i think i think uh, uh, you have not Let's watched recently any movies <laughs> <laughs> see the good movies nowadays i miss showing up yes yes the new roy is not around anymore 
Dinkar, I think we should. Yeah, she's not there anymore. And number two, you should stick to only things which you are expert at. So Evo, okay, right? Let's, let's move to Evo metrics. No idea about whatever Bollywood does. So uh, let's move yeah. to the Evo one. Uh, that's a very unnatural and deliberate segue into Evo. Uh, so today, um, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, Dinkar. We I do not remember we have spoken about this topic in detail. It will be worth uh, bringing that out. Like every everything which is catching up or has been successful had a good origin story as well. So I always wondered what is our origin story. I know that because I was part of it, but uh, uh, maybe some viewers will also benefit from it. So yeah. they know why we arrived at uh, where we are today with ego and what that will also give them a very good understanding about what will be the future of Evo and how they can participate, contribute, and communicate with us. So, um, again, what are the origins of Evo? How you sure. uh, so, get uh, about it? Yeah, uh, Evo metrics, uh, like good uh, product managers that we are, and uh, you know, I, I, I do want to call out that uh, in your new role, you are also a product manager. So I've been successful that way. But uh, in in uh, like good product managers we are, uh, this journey did start with a set of uh, customer problems, uh, you know, end user problems, and uh, they and uh, I was making notes right. There were around nine pivotal conversations that we had, uh, which led to this. And the first one, uh, I'll I'll I, I'll kind of present them in the chronological order rather than uh, you know in some other meaningful uh, manner because that's how it happened by the way the i thing, uh, i'm uh, i don't recall all the nine so it's also i'm audience as well as <laughs> i'm split between these two roles right now yeah please yeah. continue uh yeah things will come to you the first one was that uh, you know uh, we, we were talking to certain executives and they said that we're embarking on this transformation journey we're investing in improving our engineering excellence um, mm. How do we yeah. know that uh, these changes are sticking? What kind yeah. of uh, metrics can you suggest that ensure that these changes stick? And that I think was the first one uh, that we had. Uh, and uh, that one immediately followed with uh, one that uh, rang a lot of alarm bells with us is that, uh, hey, um, once I know what those metrics are, and uh, if any of those metrics goes bad, I know who to fire. And I think uh, in, in, in the first blush, the first reaction was that, oh my God, why do people think like that? Uh, why is this person thinking like that? That's not the right mindset. But I think a little introspection did let us to believe that um, if we don't give someone options uh, on what to do when a metric goes bad, they will pick the next available option. And uh, in a high pressure enterprise, uh, maybe that is the next available option they had. And that led us to uh, thinking that uh, not only should these EBO metrics be something that are not stock tickers, are lagging, take their time, they should have a long life. And the second one kind of reminded us that not only should we talk about a metric and say that, hey, this is your metric, this is what you have to achieve. You should also have a game plan from the beginning in very cool minds, uh, you know, scenario that if something starts going wrong, 
how are we going to work towards remediating that without that plan when crisis hits either people start blaming each other and these kind of behaviors get exasperated so that was our uh, second uh, learning from that conversation yeah i, I hope these uh, conversations are coming back to you oh yeah, yeah the, absolutely the the third one was that uh, you know uh, we were talking to someone and uh, he said that hey um, can you add this specific metric because i'm facing this problem and this metric will highlight that problem and this is very common right and we realize that uh, people often often confuse the operational metric with the op- outcome metric yes you have a value stream it has multiple steps you need to know how things are going from one step to another you need to identify the wastage you need to identify the blockages you need to improve that uh, pipeline but those are your operational metrics they help you improve your value stream those are not the outcome right so somewhere uh, you know uh, the pipeline that we have versus what that pipeline delivers you know the the pipe versus the content people were confusing the two and that led to the third thing that um, we'll always ensure that we call them out, outcome metrics we'll always highlight that and we'll say yes operational metrics have their importance but don't confuse the two don't uh, just judge a team yeah. by their just the uh, exception to that rule is dinkar again uh, we have spoke about it but sometimes the operational metric is the outcome and uh, in that situation it makes sense to call them as outcome metric rather than operational metric example would be is uh, for an insurance company who are processing claims the claim processing time is an operational metric yes. uh, what is the throughput of the uh, claim processors and how much time they are taking but the outcome for them is the purpose why they are commissioning certain projects is to drive the efficiencies or improve the effectiveness of how they can quickly process the claims and in that situation this operational metric is the outcome metric because they whenever there are some improvements in the process or value stream it should be reflected that um, from 15 days now you are taking 13 days to process the claim or 12 days so there uh, rather than thinking of it as operational metric think of it as an outcome metric but um, in general sense if you have set of outcomes for example the revenue of uh, mm-hmm. your certain category of your merchandise then uh, there is no point in saying oh well, what is the order fulfillment rate at logistic side right. uh, that's an operational metric which neither the uh, the set of stories which you are playing may have a bearing on or it may not directly create impact so you are absolutely right we should defer uh, and create differentiation there sachin i i don't uh, think that uh, you know uh, what you called out uh, is an exception it's actually uh, which team is in focus right the, for the product team it will still <clears throat> but if you brought in a team whose sole focus is that the, the you know their purpose is to improve then for that team yes the outcome becomes that a 15 day process has been reduced to 10 day process that's the outcome they were working and for Thanks. the product team yes you know product team should not Uh, be uh, judged for their outcome based on these operational things, but the team which has been brought in, um, maybe their agile experts, maybe the engineering effectiveness uh, effectiveness experts, uh, it becomes that team's uh, outcome. So I'll 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 not 
uh, say that it's an exception it's kind of uh, contouring that uh, thought process Understood. it's just the team in focus changes uh, right. yeah perfect the other one was that uh, there was a um, conversation with a CTO who said that um, all my teams are elite and high performance in Dora 4 key metrics, uh, but I'm the CTO. I know what the reality is. Uh, how do I fix this? How do I make uh, metrics reflect the reality rather than aspirations? And that's a very uh, common scene. And uh, one level below, if you know, once we started digging in came the uh, realization that everyone had their own definitions. And I don't want to uh, call out that. I, I, I don't believe that anyone was doing that because they were being opportunistic or you know they were trying to uh, manage the metrics. I think the behavior there tended to be that, um, hey, these are the data that are available to me and I will choose these data, right? Uh, rather than this is the correct definition, so I should go either discover the right uh, sources of data or if they are not clearly being marked, let me go and create those timestamps so I can do the right calculation, right? So people were just taking what was available and what was available uh, at some level was also very advantageous. So uh, that was the other learning that um, different uh, people in different contexts have different definitions in their mind. And uh, rather than look for the right uh, data if that's not available, work towards making that, let's say, lead time. What is that start, start time? If your system doesn't have it, work towards having that. Rather than doing that, pick whatever is available, do some haphazard uh, calculation, and that's why you know it, things go uh, haywire. And this, this happens a lot. Uh, in fact, this is something that happened uh, in one of the conversations that we were having yesterday also. The other thing that happened was very interesting, right? Uh, I was talking about uh, this uh, Ebo metrics to an executive and uh, they said, hey, we have a similar, uh, we have a tool that does this. And they demoed the tool to me. It was quite an impressive dashboard, very nicely done. It had like uh, 15, 16 metrics on it. And uh, the owner of that dashboard actually said, we capture up to 40 metrics. Right. Uh, so in my mind, I mapped, okay, they are probably doing value stream mapping and they're catching all these, uh, you know, points of uh, transitions and they're looking at efficiency. Sounds good. I said, this is really good. But next day I got a message uh, from the executive that while we have all the data, I still am not able to figure out which team is doing good, which teams need help. And at that point, I realized was that uh, they were not looking at operational data for the purpose of improving the value stream, but they were looking at these and trying to somehow figure out uh, the uh, team efficiency. And uh, whenever executives used to come, they used to pick some very, uh, very operational metric and say that team A is doing better than team B because of that. And um, one of the reasons they had to do it at some point was because they wanted to reward the team. And this kind of highlighted the problem. One, confusing the two. And second, um, this habit of collecting metrics. At one time, for certain purpose, a metric was important because they were trying to look at some inefficiency and they were tracking, uh, are the things we are doing to address this efficiency um, helping or not? And that metric is still there. It's going to be there forever now. And this backlog keeps on increasing, keeps on increasing. And uh, one of the things that uh, we have started doing is 
measure the cost of tracking a metric. And that kind of tells people that every time they add a metric, it has a cost and it's a recurring cost, uh, right? Yeah. So that, that was one thing where there was a deluge of metric and uh, to the point that it was not meaningful uh, at all. That, that, that was a very interesting conversation. The uh, another one was that where someone said that, hey, we have product metrics. Business has their own metrics, but we just don't know how to connect them. We're coming up with some things. They're doing their own thing in their own world. And that's where this juxtapositioning uh, became a central thing that um, we have to figure out a way where the product team just doesn't know that what happens when product is in control. And when we give the control to the final outcome, what happened, if that's the business outcome, right? If it's happening in different systems. Now in um, B2C customers, usually it's confined within one application, but in enterprise, there are handovers from application to another application. Maybe the application which is capturing the lead will hand it over to other application which is processing the lead, will hand it over to another application that will you know, uh, probably process the payment, will hand it over to another application where you know, some output will get generated and that will hand over to someone and say, do you want to recommend few other people? And for the business, do you want to recommend few other people is the main outcome. But the product team, which was doing the capture or the, you know, the workflow, which was gathering information, have no idea, right? Because these two exist in different worlds. So that just a positioning of what the engineering team is doing to make things uh, uh, efficient and excellent. How does it relate to business that uh, kind of evolved from there? And finally, one thing that, uh, you know, it, kind of uh, followed from there was that many teams said that we are far removed from user actions uh, from the final command. It's very difficult for us to draw a line and say that we introduce this um, uh, capability and leading to faster lead time. And because of this five system down the lane, that uh, business improved. Very difficult to figure out the causation. And that led to us uh, investigating that, yes, there are ample evidence that causation cannot be done, but can there be correlation? And um, these were the nine conversations that led to, um, and uh, and as we talk more about evometrics and those who have heard about it, will find the reasons of uh, why we chose to do certain things. Um, you know, these problem statements and when we chose that option and we shared it with uh, the end user and they tried it hype uh, you know as an experiment or full-fledged it did show some uh, benefit and that's how we adopted it and i think uh, one of the key things that i do want to talk about at some point is the concept of fully modeled uh, outcome metric so such a nine conversations do you remember all of those uh, i know two uh, which i was not part of uh, yeah. but the i could relate uh, and kind of link the names of the uh, people whom we spoke. Um, uh, one, I think, was overlap, but I don't remember uh, exactly. Yeah, they, they, were, they kind of uh, were one leading to another, leading to another. Right, but, right, uh, right. They did happen so, in multiple conversations, so they deserve absolutely. their own. Uh, absolutely. The, um, and this must be very easy for people to understand that even Evo Rome was not built in a day. There were, there were multiple foundational blocks, conversations, which led us to think about it. 
there is also um, one history nugget uh, which I would like to spill out mm-hmm. is the Evo metric is something which came as a byproduct of Polaris a tool which we created in the first place. We were thinking about building a dashboard and uh, the reason why we wanted to build dashboard was we were not happy with Hygieia. Hygieia is an open source software which is created by Capital One and they had these extremely flexible, uh, you can just like add any number of metrics and there were a lot of connectors available. And uh, we were uh, told by somebody that, hey, this is a great software, why don't you use it? And then we said, fantastic, let's use it. And the moment I stepped onto that software, I felt scared. A, it was having too many charts. B, there was a lot of data and I didn't know what to do with it. And um, and I'm a, I consider myself a good techie. I, I could sense all these points which are present on the dashboard, but I did not know what to do with it. Yeah. So that led me to believe in this particular case, um, uh, less is more. Yeah. And uh, it is better that you have something which is actionable. And uh, we built dashboard tool, our own, which is inspired from Hygieia, but it, it focused on juxtaposition and only handful of metrics. Yeah. Now, the tool uh, was not our goal. Our goal was to get this thought process behind uh, in the hands of people because sometimes seeing is believing. You know, like If they see this is working, they know what to do with it. Uh, but eventually we figured out the philosophy of that resonated so well with customers when we spoke to them. Uh, we decided that they need, they deserve to stay uh, individually as well. Is yeah. um, like create a, the philosophy extraction in Evo and the reference implementation can be Polaris. So yeah. that way you, you get to experience both. And, and this uh, also... Yeah, this also and allows a lot us of to... organizations uh, have their similar tools also. I mean, uh, tool oh, is yeah. just a tool, right? Uh, so and we have been talking about it, right? It tool doesn't matter. What matters is measurements. So that also allowed us to share our philosophy with people and then uh, yeah, like take it to the broader audience. So uh, that's fantastic. There is uh, one digression uh, as usual. I'm like, what will be uh, a less big episode without digression? So I was um, recently. I'm, I'm very much interested in music making uh, and composing. So Dinkar, the one of the uh, nuggets which I learned is a great music is when you cannot remove any more instrument or parts of that music. Uh, so that is the absolute minimum, and uh, that's that particular uh, uh, thing struck with me is. Um, so their point was that when you are composing, you should have minimum set of layers or uh, instruments used to create a song, which is retaining the impact which composer wanted. So if by removing the, let's say, piano, you lose the soul of the sound or it doesn't sound right, then it deserves to be there. Similarly, I think periodically people should try to delete metrics from their dashboard until they feel if I drop this, then I stop uh, getting the minimum value which I wanted to get out of this. So uh, there is no point in putting 30 metric and not using them at all. But having that psychological safety that I'm ma- managing to 30 metrics, it's better to track 10 metric, which you know exactly what to do with them. Or five. Totally plus one on less is more and uh, get rid of a metrics. And only when you feel the need of it urgently, yes. then only bring it back. Uh, don't hold on. 
and then that's why ebo metrics is also a very limited set and very well thought of condensed set so on that note uh, this was the origin story of yeah. uh, ebo metrics no one had to fly off or tear their shirts to reveal the superhero uh, yeah. or super uh, character inside so but that's the origin story yeah. absolutely thank you yeah take care bye bye